How many hours a week do you spend sourcing through messy transaction data when you could be working with more clients? What if I told you there was a solution that was free that could save you three to five hours of work per client per month? Well, enter Relay, a business banking platform that completes your accounting tech stack. Every client you invite to Relay gets added to your firm's partner portal, and that means you get role-based permissions for your staff, direct bank feeds to QuickBooks Online and Zero ultra detailed transaction data that makes it easier to reconcile, and accounts payable automation for clients that pull their info from QBO and Zero. Plus, Relay's new partner program introduces meaningful cash rewards for advisors, more partner perks, and an advisor directory to help find more clients who already mink with Relay. Head on over to www.relayfi.com unaccountable to learn more and book a demo. Welcome to Unaccountable, the world's okayest accounting game show for product news, updates, and education. I am your reporting ranger of a host, Tyler Otto, and I'm joined by the credit conqueror, Jeremy Van Grill, calling in on location today. Good day, sir. Good day to you. That's right. I am in sunny Florida, just south of Tampa here, visiting some family for the weekend, and also have my youngest going to a gymnastics meet at Tropicana Field, actually. Yeah. Pretty cool. All a whole bunch of kids there. I hear, uh, yeah, doing gymnastics in Florida heat is all the rage. That sounds awful. Although, speaking of rage, actually, you triggered a story in me. One of my clients just got a rage email this week from a vendor who got a 1099. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ha- do. You have clients like this where, like, you reach out to their vendors to try and get the W nine, and they freak out on you. Oh, absolutely. And I never understand that, right? Unless you are intentionally trying to minimize or underreport your revenue, this never comes back to hurt you, right? So I, I yeah, the, the email he wrote back to our client, which I'm, I'm not going to read verbatim just so it's not quotable, yeah. but essentially this vendor, so our client came to us, first of all, just books in a mess and didn't even know what he didn't know, didn't know about 1099 reporting, didn't know about like things like unemployment insurance and workers comp. And like, we got him on the straight and narrow last year. He's so appreciative. I love our client. He's wonderful. But when we started requesting W9s, this specific vendor says, you haven't asked for this before. And you know, I'm going to sue if you do this. (laughs) Sure enough, we still sent out the 1099s. And he wrote a scathing email just about how this is unethical, the way you do business. This has never been done before. This was never in our agreement that you were going to report it as taxable income. I am going to look into my option, my legal options. I'm going to let every other vendor out there know what you've done to me and my family. <laughs> Just by issuing a 1099, it makes it sound like he has ruined this guy's life when really like, we're all just following the laws right now. But it just also points out that there's probably a lot of these communities that are off the beaten path, these non-major cities, where how has this guy never experienced a 1099 before? Oh, yeah. And for the him to get that uppity over it, like it's going to ruin his life, it's so ridiculous. But we, I have plenty of clients like that, too, where it's like they've never even heard of the concept until you start working with them. And you're like, no, this is legally you have to do this thing. Right? So we're going to do it. Yeah, it's just crazy how lack of knowledge there is out there in the, the marketplace. Well, especially because they freak out even when you ask for the W-9. Like, I'm not willing to give you that information. It's like, no, this yeah. this is standard practice. This is why you have the tax ID number so we can identify each other. 
Yeah, I forget what the risk penalty if they don't provide the W-9 right after so many requests and whatnot. And I just tell vendor or the client, like, hey, if they don't give it to you, we're not paying them again until we get it, right? So like, yeah, do it. Yeah, three requests, and then you can just issue a blank 1099, and then you're supposed to do backup withholding. And oh, that's a whole nother mess. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, no, thank you. Let's just find a different vendor. Like, you may think you're unique. We can't go on without you. But I even say that to my team all the time. Like, we are replaceable. Like, we can't bring it every time. So, yeah, all good. Hey, can we transition into the first game here? Absolutely. Please do. Cool. Well, coming off the high off of our last episode here, right? Where we had Dwayne on and was amazing, right? We need to bring the expectation level back down, right? Like I'm <laughs> we, we need to get back clear. on brand. Yeah, right. We have, we over, over shopped the moon on that one for us. So I'd like to stick with that topic of security. And I kind of had this teed up for our last episode, but Dwayne had so many great points that I didn't want to roofing that floor, or bring something else into it. But I have a security related exercise for you now. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Why not? I mean, I feel empowered after last week. I feel like, you know, the, the security whiz, which really all I'm doing is repeating what Dwayne taught us. But yeah, let's go for it. Right. And you should have a little bit of a head start here because a lot of these things were talked about last week. So let's Ooh. see. Our two, a fortnight ago. Let's see how yes, well we retain that, <laughs> retain that information. So We, we represent little... episodes here in Fortnite's. Yes, that's right. So this one I'm calling Security Feud a la Family Feud. Tyler, come on down. So we have I think you're game. mixing your shows there. Oh, yeah. What, is, what does Steve Harvey say? I don't even know. That's, that's... <laughs> you're fine. Tyler, we surveyed one or more websites and have the top 10 or 11 security risks that a 2024 Ooh. accounting firm should be aware of and prepared to address in their firm. So we have the top 10 on the board. Let's see how many of those you can get. And in no discernible order, I don't have a number on that, but let's see which ones you think are on there. First up, I'm gonna go with shared passwords. Ooh, passwords is definitely on here, shared or weak passwords. Correct. All right, number one, coming out of the gate strong. What else you got? Second up, I'm going to go with mixing personal use and business use on a computer, like visiting sites employees shouldn't. I'm going to give you that one, too. It's kind of like the human factor. Data breaches caused by employees, cloud security, remote, bringing your own device policies, things like that. Yeah. This is IT security, right? Like, remind me the official question. What are the security threats as an accounting firm owner that you should be most aware of and cognizant of in 2024? Okay. We're going to go with lack of an MSP or an IT dedicated IT department. That one. So let's, let me give you an example. I think I'll help frame this up. It's so like one of them. I'm going to give you one of the easy ones, right? Uh -oh. Phishing attacks, right? So we oh, talked okay. big about phishing attacks. So like ways that people could get at your data and breach security for your organization or okay. like significant risks. I'm just going to point out to the listener that Jeremy, due to his family vacation, is making me record this at 6.30 in the morning. So I may not be at the top of my game. <laughs> this is your fault for being on the west side of the U.S. Sorry. <laughs> it's lovely out here. Give me a second to think. I'm really struggling here. Lack of 2FA. 2FA, I agree with that. Is in, I would have that with the password protection, okay. but I think that, would, that one's not called out here, but I think that's a perfect. Yeah, I'll give you that one for sure. So phishing attacks. 
Is it employee errors? Like I'm going to go with like errors that employees make, like misconfigurations of systems, not mapping things, connecting things wrong. Is it just employee, lack of quality controls, employee errors? I think so. I had that kind of in the human factor okay. as well. Yep. Yep. Kind of lumped in there. So this is one interesting point that we had in the last episode. I do have one more. You can hit yep. on both of them. Okay. If phishing was one, ransomware has to be one. One I was going to go with, ransomware. And the fact that you can just buy ransomware from people and they'll support it. I mean, that was a big takeaway from the last episode. But yeah, that's a huge one as well. Ransomware. Okay. So I'm going to go back then because yeah. one thing Dwayne talked about was tenanting yeah. data, right? Like restricting permissions, not having good data management practices in place. Data management for outdated software. Yep. Okay. Another good oh, one. outdated software. Let's just do a full episode on this, man. Right? Like, hey, let's get to some cloud accounting options. We already talked about it earlier. Okay, so now desktop is sunsetting already. Okay, so then if we're going to go back to this, let's also, yeah. so phishing ransomware, mm -hmm. is it employees connecting to insecure internet access? I, I'm going to put that as a yes, and I'll call this, they had this as the internet of things, right? So like okay. everything has web connectivity. Like we had the Roomba story. But even your refrigerator is connected to the internet, your mirrors in the bathroom or your workout mirror now, the internet of things, how that's ingrained in everything now. And it gives smart people like Dwayne an access point into your world. Okay. In your world of I data. like that. I think the next biggest possible error a company could make, I'm going to say the free beer Fridays because employees really let down their guard on those free beer Fridays. <laughs> And a lot of mistakes happen. Is I, I'm, that, I'm going. I'm sticking to my answer. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the no on that one. But I, I think you got six or seven on the list, right? The other ones are. Right, hit me with I the other four because I'm struggling here. I didn't think about these other ones either. But one of them is advanced persistent threats, right? So this is okay. the same thing as kind of phishing, but it's more long term, where these bad actors are developing a relationship with somebody at an organization that they feel comfortable eventually sharing more things. So that's like a longer term effort, not like a one-time shot. That would make sense? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, like, yeah. why, why do we call them bad actors? Like, could we rename this to like <laughs> Nicolas Cage? Or, I mean, not all Nick Cage was bad, but like we need someone yeah. to really be the front man for bad actors in IT security. I would vote after seeing Dog Eat Dog and Wicker Man. It's going to be Nicolas Cage. Yeah, he's had some high highs and some very low lows. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Con Air and The Rock, you could watch over and over. Oh, yeah, even Gone 60 Seconds, right? Like, yeah. I could take that all the time, right? I think we need a good but, Nicolas Cage. But then you watch The Trust with him and Elijah Wood and you question life. There were some bad, or the motorcycle flaming head one. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I no. Feel like that would have been bad. Uh, audience, yeah, if you have the worst Nicolas Cage movie, like, that's movie. our new challenge. When this episode drops, Whoever can get the worst one, I am going to take Dog Eat Dog right now. Like, knowing was pretty bad or Enter the Ghost. What was it? Something the Ghost. Yeah. It, yeah. He's got what bad was, stuff. What was the good one that he did with Cher, but he was really young? I can't remember, but I could picture him in that role. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm going to fail at this. What um, else we got for IT security besides <laughs> yeah. our Nick Cages? Next one is supply chain attacks. So like working with your vendors that may have security breaches on their side, right? So your vendors now have access to a lot of your information. You have integrated systems, um, something to be careful and just make sure that you have that due diligence on the vendor side as well as you would internally. The yeah. next one was a newer concept for me too, social engineering. I had to look this one up, right? I'm not that smart. 
but like the use of deception to manipulate individuals into divulging confidential or personal information that may be used for fraudulent purposes. So I think this is also a big one that are using social media or other ways that you're just out there that may be outside of work to get information. Or we've seen that old one that used to be out there where it's like, hey, do this quiz. Where did you go to high school? And what is your pet's name? And everybody's like, initially was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm giving this information, not knowing you are just directly feeding it to the bad actors. So Jeremy, yeah, I don't know if you saw this article, but I've got no. it pulled up on CNN right here. Finance worker pays out 25 million after video call with deep fake CFO. Essentially a finance worker at a multinational firm was uh, tricked into paying out 25 million to fraudsters. Essentially this article goes on to talk about he was originally suspecting fraud, but getting on enough video calls with multiple people at the company because there was enough public, you know, audio video yeah. of those people that they could create generative AI versions of them and they tricked him into believing they were real and getting 25 million US dollars. Uh, it was like some 200 million in Hong Kong, but they using this technology were able to oh. get that much money out of him. This thing is absurd. Yeah, that's crazy. And it goes to Dwayne's point from last week episode that, you know, if, if you have a podcast, a lot of that voice tracks, you could put into an AI generation and get it out there. That is some scary stuff in yeah. the video side. You and I could be date fake tomorrow. There's plenty of us here. Yeah. And like all kidding aside, like I need to make my team aware of this, right? If you guys didn't listen to that, something to think about and anything's weird, right? Reach out and call just so we can make sure we're on the same page. And the last one on the list here, this one, I don't know, it says regulatory compliance challenges with the IRS oh, or I the, was gonna guess the ICPA. That. Yeah. Oh, that one was on the top of my list too. And I guess I, I get that, but I'm, to me, those as evil as some of those empires are, right? <laughs> those are not our biggest concern security wise. Right. But just making sure you're compliant with all the normal things that we do as an accountant. I think that was a great so, refresher and additional things. Like, thank you. Because this is only going to become more and more prominent. And I think you got six or seven out of the ten. It's pretty good, sir. It's a good out of the gate, even this early. C or D, man. Right in our sweet spot. Well, let's jump it's, right it's, over to Into News. Yeah. And first and foremost, Jeremy, I don't know if you saw yeah. this. There is a great New York Times article about Australia introduces the workers' right to disconnect. They have legislation that's in the works, and it looks like it's about to pass. But essentially, it will allow employees to not be penalized by any employers for failing to respond to work-related communication in off-work hours. Now, Australia already has a lot of the work-life balance mm. figured out. And I know we are a podcast for primarily Americans, but can you imagine anything like this ever happening in the U.S.? Do you think this could ever be adopted or would like this just break our entire economy? Crikey, that would be all sorts of bad for us. Let me make sure I understand this first, right? Let me unpack. Yeah. They cannot have negative work implications for yep. not responding to communications outside of work hours? Yes. So if an employer like wants to terminate mm. you or reprimand you or anything, and the documentation is about failure to perform, uh, respond or do anything, but it's outside of work hours, legally, you can nullify it. You can be like, hey, that's against like, that's illegal. Yeah. You cannot have expectations outside of normal work hours. Like That's a great fencing, especially because most of our workers rights weren't written at a time that we had a small, you know, space device in our pocket. Cause I mean, this thing's more powerful right. than the first rockets that went to the moon hashtag moon landing yesterday. But I mean, <laughs> it didn't apply to these devices. I think it's kind of brilliant. 
I, I agree, but I also feel like the U.S. will be the last to adopt this, right? Like our legislation as far as limiting corporate power and greed is so much deflated compared to Australia, Europe, any of the other locations that are the modern world or Western world or whatever you want to call it. I like this, right? Like, absolutely. You cannot put expectations on employees to respond outside of normal work hours on things. That should not be an expectation. And one of our pillars as an organization is like freedom for you as a worker, right? Work when you're yep. working, unplug when you're not. The one thing though, Jeremy, is I completely disagree with you. We will not be the last to implement this. You can't be the last one if you never do it. Well, that's, tr that's true. I thought you were going to go on a communism rant there or something, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. That's, that's interesting. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I saw one, one other one this week, which I think hit a lot of radars if you're into the stock market at all or the financial world. Capital One is merging slash acquiring with Discover Card. Did you see this one? Yeah, no, this is a little bit of like mind blown, but it makes sense because they're still, at least from my perspective, and I am not a credit card expert, they were still the little brothers at the table of Visa, Amex, MasterCard. Yeah, I agreed. And I, I liken this to, you know, when T-Mobile bought Sprint, right? You're still third at best with Verizon and AT&T and the other big players in the market. But I feel like there can be a lot of good and bad from this, right? I feel like with these two coming together, that could somewhat increase competition, new financial things, right? I believe the like debit networks that Capital One uses is on MasterCard, whereas Discover has their own. And maybe yep. Capital One leverages Discover to build that, right, with all of yep. their card network. But you could flip the coin the other way, saying, no, there's maybe instead of three, four, five, there's three big guys, right, that could monopolize things even more, right? And you don't really have an option outside of those three now, or four with American Express is you need to use one of those networks if you do credit card transactions. So I could see that swinging pretty hard the other way too. Yeah, I mean, you know, NBC News has an article here about it, you know, and Elizabeth Warren was saying like, this is bad for the economy because really it's just letting Wall Street consolidate and it's more likely that we're going to experience as the end user higher fees. I get that monopolies are bad. At the same point, as you and I said, like this is these are the teams that were in third or fourth or fourth and fifth place, right? If we had to rank like Amex and Visa are probably yeah. in first and second, MasterCard yeah, sitting MasterCard. third. These are the yep. guys. Discover was clearly the fourth tier there, and now they're partnering with Capital One, who I think has a better brand name to use their rails. Like honestly, this might be more competition from fourth place taking a serious impact. Like maybe this does work out well. I completely agree with her sentiment that we don't want a monopoly, but. I'm not sure I agree with that's where we're at with if it was Amex or Visa acquiring both Capital One and Discover, then I'd be concerned. Oh, yeah, I'd be way more concerned. And I don't know the fee structure for Discover. Are they higher or something that a lot of the end users are like, no, I'm not going to take Discover, right? They have such a low, lower adoption rate. Actually, no. Like looking at this right mm -hmm. now, Motley Fool has an article about credit card processing fees. It says last year, the average across all of them for a merchant was 2.24%. But Amex being the highest, Discover being the lowest, but it notes that it's not much lower than Visa and MasterCard. Those three really are all in a similar camp. I don't know what it was because I know a lot of people don't love Discover, a lot of merchant providers. I, and maybe it was contract-based with who the processor was. Maybe they had extra fees or it was harder, but straight up fees from the credit card company. No, it's it's Amex at the top and then Visa, MasterCard and Discover all playing in the same range. Okay. 
one more thing that we should have done more homework on and <laughs> figured out why. <laughs> but interesting. Yeah. But again, this is huge in the financial marketplace and it'll be just cool to watch and see where the implications lie. Jeremy, guess what? What, 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 what? Exciting news for our listeners. We've hit another milestone, and I think it's even going to lend us a little credibility. Did you hear about what we're going to be able to offer soon? I did not. By listening to Unaccountable going forward, our listeners are going to be able to earn CPE for every episode of Unaccountable they digest. Yes, digest because it takes a whole lot of stomach acid and our heartburn to get through this. But log into that Earmark CPE app, take a quiz, and you can earn one hour of CPE credit for listening. How awesome is that? Fantastic. Look at us. We talked about at the end of one of the episodes. We may be doing some good things here. Fantastic work. Well, hop on into that app and let us know what you think of our show. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, with that noise, it is now halftime and time for us to head to the benches and take a little bite out of a snack. And today, we are going to be taking a bite out of a crewer. Have you heard of this yet? Of course, only from you. So I love slash loathe when I get these like fanboy emails or messages from you saying, oh, Jeremy, I'm trying a crewer. You got to check this out. It does some really cool things because one, I'm usually interested see what this yep. is because you don't spend the time on crappy tools but two i'm also like what is this going to cost me if i need to bring this into my firm because then i'm like adding more software costs but is it worth it so i'm not aware of this please deal okay so accruer guess what it does i'm, I'm, I'm going to give you multiple options does it do okay. accruals okay. does it make you a latte or mm -hmm. provide hydrocolonics what was the last one hydroponics uh, i'm going to go with accruing things colonics okay you are correct. No, accruer yeah. is fan fantastic because it makes the process of doing any sort of accrual, whether it's deferred revenue or advanced deposits, prepaid expenses, unearned, or whether it's even fixed asset tracking. They make it damn near automated where you can, in the QuickBooks description, let's just say for revenue yeah. and expenses, in the description, you use the trigger words of any expense. And this is by line item level. You use the trigger words for the period. That's it. And then after that, so you can have a description that's like, hey, QuickBooks software expense, you add for the period at the end of it, and then you put your date range. And if you want it to be March, 2026, you just put March, 2026, or Mar 2026, or 0301, 2026. You write it however you want. And then you say, if you want it over mm -hmm. a date range, you can say March to November, 2026. The moment you hit save on that transaction, a crewer will recognize you've saved that in QBO. And within, I found about two minutes, depending on how you have it set, it will go in and create the entry to reverse that expense in this current month and spread it out equally. If you have it set to straight line or double discounting, it will do that. And it will automatically make the entries going forward or going back if you have the settings to allow it. They've put so many quality controls in place because it knows to not overwrite over periods that are closed with yeah. the QuickBooks close thing. And so if it needs to go back and push things older and it can't, it will post all the adjusting entries in the most recent period. So you still get the right amount of accruals, expenses, but it does it in the last open period. You can do that both using the QuickBooks close period or you can even set manual parameters in their web page 
control all of this so that it automatically has fences in place and say it just won't go back into 2023 or 2022 ever. So there's a lot of cool things you can do there just by writing for the period. This is awesome for deferred revenue because uh -huh. let's say you experienced revenue this month. The only solution yeah. in QuickBooks is to go in and say, hey, the invoice date is now six months from now and it looks goofy. Whereas you can just do this and say, hey, it's unearned revenue, say for the period of four months from now, and it automatically moves the revenue via journal entries. The other beautiful thing is if you make adjustments to that original entry, it automatically catches it and it fixes all the future or past entries. If you delete the original entry, it automatically catches it and goes deletes all the accruals it made. Like it is a smart system. And then the beauty of all of this is it will yeah. post it to whatever balance sheet accounts you want. You can even set up rules where it's like, if I do an accrued expense in these labor accounts, it'll push it to a balance sheet account called accrued labor or accrued payroll. Yeah. But if you do anything else, it will go to the default account you set up. But it has the ability when you log into their webpage where you do all your settings, it'll give you an Excel-based schedule you can export that fully reconciles everything that's sitting in that balance sheet showing the time period it's gonna come off. So like it automatically does the accrual, but more important for me, and this is where I had to factor this in to make the price make sense, was it yeah. also takes the time of doing the reconciliation of all that in there. If you don't have an accrual heavy business, maybe it's not a good solution for you. If you have one, you're wheeling and dueling accruals because your clients are buying in bulk, they're spreading it out over time, they have revenue yep. showing up in different periods. Man, to be able to just write for the period and be done, it's saving me 10, 15 minutes in accrual and it's done in perpetuity for every month going forward. It's fantastic. And that's just revenue expense. I didn't even touch on fist assets, but I can tell you want to talk. So I'm going to take a sip for a second and let you chime in. Oh, I have so many things going back here, but no. And I, I did a little, like I started to put this as a wrap snack. So I did our minimal amount of research. We hold White ourselves man. accountable here. But first of all, just typing that in there for the period and this working to me is amazing, right? Like it's magic. That really works. And actually what's funny, the company that makes it, all their yeah. tools, so FinOptimal, just a little thing about them, they used to be an accounting firm. They still are an accounting firm. I was scared of them stealing my clients. And Jesse, who owns the company, Tom, who's running this project, they're like, yeah. we're actually trying to downsize our accounting firm and go all after software. Ooh. These are tools we built over the last 15 years and we've used them. Now we're making them commercially available. So maybe there's a partner program, like if you have clients in the hospitality place, think of that. They do anyway. have accountant pricing. Ooh, there you go. So yeah, first of all, like just a cool concept, right? Like I see you talk about like baseline knowledge for accounting, or I think like working through the cash flow statement is higher level things. This to me is like the middle, right? Understanding yep. accruals, what you need to do it. The low level bookkeeper will not always understand this, what you need to do and how you need to do this, which is always important, right? Even if you have this tool, you need to realize what it actually is doing is why. But the fact that this can do that that easily for deferred revenue, prepaids, and for fixed assets, to me is pretty, pretty awesome, right? The thing in the nonprofit space where we have, obviously like prepaids with insurance and other things that you'd have normally, but we also have where they have events, right? And all of the revenue gets deferred until that event happens. Because if it doesn't happen, donors can pull half the things back, expenses may not happen, all of that stuff. So I feel like having this option, it's pretty awesome. And I can't imagine, like, I'm just trying to think, through my Boolean-based brain, how you write code to find for a period and do that. And then you said that the date is very flexible because that was the other thing I was thinking is like, what if I don't type it in the exact right format that they want? So that's cool if that is really flexible as well. 
Yeah, no, they've figured it out. In fact, even talking with Tom and Jesse, they like September is the one month that people don't always write the three digits abbreviation of SCP. They always write SEPT. It will sure. catch that you met September when you do four okay. digits in that month because like everyone always screws that one up. And so it's fantastic in that regard. And real quick, I'll even have to touch fixed assets are beautiful as well. Now you can set up all your balance sheet accounts. Like, you know, you have a fixed asset vehicle account, fixed asset computer, fixed asset FF&E, <laughs> building improvements. And then you can go and build custom accruals for those. You label those accounts as hot accounts. And you say, hey, anytime anything gets posted to the vehicle account, automatically create a depreciation schedule and start posting on a five-year life. If it's building improvements, 29 years. If it's computers, three years. FF&E, yeah. seven years. And so anytime you post anything to that account, it'll automatically start depreciating over time. You do nothing. You just post it to the fixed asset account. Okay, that's cool. So and then the other thing I thought about this is like auditable, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you said, if there is a schedule that you could pull out that I can see all of this and what does QuickBooks audit log say is an administrative post or... You know, those are the pieces that I worry about with tools kind of automatically doing things for us. Well, the audit log, so this comes back to the question, who connected to QuickBooks? Because it's going to use your credentials. Yes. So right now, it will show Tyler Auto. A lot of firms, if you guys want to do this, you always create a systems at yourfirm.com that has access, and you do these connections there, because then it will always show that the systems integration did it, and it's not a sign that Tyler did it. It was the systems login. That's smart. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then let's talk pricing, right? I looked at that. Yeah. There is something from pretty light, like $15 per client per month up to almost like $100. And yep. to me, this is an interesting cost-benefit modular like equation in my head, right? Like how much assets, how many of these things need to happen to make this to be a time savings, not an extra cost that I'm not getting extra margin on. So you are 100% right. And honestly, this is a conversation I had with Tom over there as well, because I was exploring their yeah. product. I'm asking questions. I'm poking holes in it. You know, I said like, hey, I love the product. I'm actually jealous I didn't come up with the product. Like this is something I wish I would have built. Yeah. At the price, like I'm still not sure at 10 automated accruals, which when they say that it's posting 10 new entries a month going forward, when it posts all of those, those are not 10 new entries every month going forward. It's just when you kick that off. So when they say 10 yeah. entries a month, that's what they're referring to. I said, hey, yep. I'm not sure it makes sense for me. Tom said, well, how many clients would you be interested? And I said, well, depending on the price, it could be this many, this many, this many. And yeah. we came to a deal. You'll notice right under the pricing under firms, it says additional discounts for accounting firms available. This is where you got to talk to them and figure out what does yeah. make it worth your time. I would argue the rate that we're using it, particularly on fixed asset for hotels, it's starting to save time and it's making my staff more efficient. But you've got to think the time of posting the entry and providing those reconciliations. For me, it's been worth it. But yeah, you definitely have to ask yourself that. Yeah, I agree. But just again, super cool concept. And the other thing is like, so if you aren't using this tool, one other option that you're having is like, hey, I make this bulk, especially prepaids, and then just do a recurring transaction, right? And set that yeah. up and you could kind of set and forget that too but you need to remember to turn it off or change it whereas yep. i what i'm hearing from a crewer is it just knows right from the period yep. of this to this you don't need to put any reminders out there or go review it you just know to go back and do it which i think needs to be factored in the conversation too and adds to their value proposition well and especially think of it this way you use dext hub doc auto entry keeper yeah for your receipt capture and you get a bill 
for, I don't know, let's say their insurance expense for the next year. Yeah. And while you're categorizing that bill, you could put for the period and then the 10 to 12 months that that covers push save. It's already done the accruals. You are yeah. done. You don't even need to go set up a recurring entry and then right. build a depreciation, the schedule. It's done because you posted it on the description line. It's brilliant in that regard. And you can do multiple, you know how you have different lines and in expensing QuickBooks, you can yeah. do a different period for each line in that expense. All of it will work. Yeah. And the only other thing I thought thinking through this is, can you go backward looking and start a schedule? So like if I have five okay. existing things already and now I want to start using accruer and I want to have that reconciliation, can I build some of the prior history in there? Because I don't want to have to paint like duct tape together the tool until I get 12 months done. You know what I'm saying? The full thing I will say is yeah. they have a method for you to be able to convert from past manual schedules to get current as of today. Now there is two manual journal entries you would have to post on each schedule to like yeah. basically, okay, let's post a crewer. It's going to do a lump sum. Now here's how we reverse it. And like, they have a whole walkthrough on how to do it. Yes, that's during your setup, but then once you get past it and only use a crewer going forward, your schedules are going to be perfectly clean. I love when you have these fanboy ideas because they're usually pretty good things and cool, which I can see having mass appeal for a lot of people that are fixed asset heavy or prepaid heavy organizations. Yeah. Well, listeners, be sure to use the link in the uh, show notes if you're willing to give it a shot. Let them know that we sent them your way. Obviously, I'm a fan of it. I had my concerns with a couple things, but they're also making yeah. improvements. Like I've seen several improvements since I've started, which gets me excited because that means, okay, they're not just setting it and forgetting it. Well, next on the agenda today, Jeremy, we are going back to one of my favorites, updates and updog. Oh, I'm not doing that. I know you're not going to say it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Ian, can you find the drop from episode seven? Oh, no. let's bring it back. Love it. Today, I want to start with a game that's called Updates and Updog. Wait, Updog? What's Updog? Not much. What's up with you, man? Ah, oh, boo. Right into it. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. Jeremy, we're going to hit you with a few updates today that I think are relevant okay. to products or news in our industry. First up on the docket, which popular recording software now allows you to live rewind? It's giving you the ability to erase your mm. mishaps in real time. I'm going to go zero. Oof. I'm sorry. Wait, Quick you books? use zero for recording? No. You <laughs> use zero for anything. Yeah, the correct answer is Loom. Uh, Loom now has the ability, if you make a mistake and not having to start it, which for those of you who don't know, Jeremy, you use Loom almost as heavily as I do, right? Yeah, love it. And when you said recording, I was still thinking journal entry recording. You said cloning software. So I'm like, what would be doing this? But no, that totally makes That's cool. Tell me more. Yeah. So Loom, I mean, guess real quick, Jeremy, I want you to be able to participate here. Oh, sure. What do you and I use Loom for? Can you at least describe to a listener that's not familiar with it? Yeah. And I love how you just like trading wheels along like, Jeremy, you should be participating more in our <laughs> This is what I need. Uh, so Loom is just a, a recording tool that you use that we have all of our SOP videos done in Loom, right? That you can record it. It's there. It's saved. It's easily shareable. You can folderize the videos, all of that. And then our brain, which is Notion, 
You just go into our SOP, link the Loom video, puts any additional notes, and then anyone can go in and click it and watch the video. Seamless, good audio, good video quality, and also can do some transcripts as well that you could put it into words if needed too. So great tool. And then throw on top of that month-end reviews with clients, right? You don't want to find time to yeah. meet with them for a half hour. So you can just, after you're done with financials, record a five-minute Loom video walking through the issues, send it over with the financials, and the clients feel like they get that month-end review, even though they're going to watch it at 2 a.m. because that's the time they get to the computer. It's wonderful. But yeah. I'm sure all of us have experienced that you get halfway through a video and you've just stumbled over your words a couple times. And you're like, I'm just going to re-record. I'm going to start again. I'm going to start again. I'm going to start again. Yeah, yeah. And a five-minute Loom took you a half hour. And so they built in a quick button where you can live rewind and just backtrack over your mistakes and then keep going, saving you the time of having to go back and edit it later, find those errors, cut them mm -hmm. out, make sure you got everything. You can do it in real time. This is a welcome addition. Now, right now it looks like it's only on their Chrome extension and not their uh, desktop Ooh. version, but I got to hope it's coming to both. Yeah, that is kind of cool. The thing that I would struggle with, and this is probably just my shortcoming is like, where did I start making those mistakes, right? Like how far back do I have to go and make sure that I didn't leave a chunk missing, redo all the steps. Um, but especially for like little things where you know, like, oh, just a minute ago, I started doing this and totally ran the wrong report or was in the wrong client or whatever. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, when I was talking about client success and I accidentally said client sex X and I was like, wait, nope. Live rewind. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that. And we do not promote inappropriate relationships with clients. <laughs> no, at least not in this business. Microsoft right. recently announced it will no longer support which of its longest running apps after October, 2026. Uh, access maybe. Oof. I'm sorry. So remember in the original suite of tools we got like back on windows 95, we had like word, mm. Excel, outlook and publisher. Oh, yeah, I've never used Publisher. Remember Publisher? Yeah, I remember yeah, I can see the icon. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. It was their own <laughs> graphics and design platform. Uh, Microsoft has says, we are exploring modern ways to achieve common publisher scenarios across applications like Word, PowerPoint, and Designer. You got to believe people aren't using Publisher anymore. A lot of the newer kids have gone to Canva, anything else. And so even Microsoft is saying, we're giving you two years notice, almost three. Uh, but that thing's going away. We're not we're not doing any more support for publishers. Well, which is good and bad, I think, for Microsoft, right? Like the lack of them getting enough resources to keep that relevant, right? That's kind of a downfall for them and maybe a missed revenue yeah. opportunity, but they've hammered home all the other ones, right? And kept them relevant. And, you know, Google Workspace is eating into them a little bit, but now they're on the front end of getting AI built into Excel and things too, so... Yeah, maybe they dropped the ball on this one a lot, a little bit, but I feel like the creative space just generally isn't consistent with Microsoft's thing. They're like business. Let's do business and crunch numbers and all that stuff. Yeah, don't compete with people that are doing it better than you. Just throw in the towel and put your resources at things we want. Right. Uh, yeah. I think this is a smart call. Yeah. Two more questions for you, Jeremy. Dex, okay. the receipt capture platform, Ooh. made the timely decision to add a feature that allows you to see this item which may have been submitted with your documentation, whether it's a receipt or bill, what item associated can you now see that you could never see before? The submitter's face as they're taking the picture of the receipt. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I would love that. that. You yeah. can now see the email that accompanied the attachment. 
so often with a lot of these softwares, our vendors will send in a receipt as an attachment or a bill and they'll put in the email text, make sure you code this to the Anderson job. Make sure you code this to whatever advanced deposits, but you can't see that. It just gets lost into oblivion. And then the client's upset with you for not doing what they asked. They have now added a new tab in there where you can see the email text that came along with it and is welcome timing because this last week, Keeper did their grand release of their open beta for theirs receipts, which is pretty stinking awesome. I've been talking about it for a while now, but it's open beta and you could see the emails now. And I thought, oh, Keeper's going to crush their competition. They have this. And it's like Dex, I think someone at Dex is paying attention. Totally. They're like, we, we really should figure this out now. Yeah, we're going to have to get that receipt capture for Keeper on our app snack soon because I'm pretty excited Ooh. about that one too. But yeah, I, I agree. Like that is super helpful, even if, you don't have the text or just have further questions, right? Like who sent this in? If there's multiple yeah. people that's submitting it, then I know direct that question, not five different people that are like, oh, that doesn't even relevant to me. The accountant is now wasting my time with more emails, right? So yep. I think just targeting that is huge as well. All right, Jeremy, last question. Okay. QuickBooks now mm. auto import statements from what notoriously difficult bank to access? Ooh, I'm gonna go US bank, they're difficult. I'm sorry. So they announced this at QuickBooks Connect, which you would have known if you would have stayed past the opening party. But Chase, they are now finally have a partnership with Chase to auto import bank statements across all their vendors. And they uh, released that it is now fully in place as of their February Firm of the Future update. Okay. I thought, geez, I thought that would have been my last guess. I thought we had some bank statements already getting pulled in from Maybe. Chase, but I, I could be mistaken. That's cool. Anytime you can get that one less step, right? We're already in QuickBooks. If it's there, fantastic. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. So. We have Jeremy's first shutout on the show. Oh, I didn't get any of those, man. Yeah. Welcome to the club, Jeremy. We got jackets. Crank up the back. I love it. Uh, Cool. Well, hey, thanks for those updates. Those are awesome. I'd love to hear all the cool things that are going out there and whether they're good and bad and the result of that. But now it is time for Fast Figures. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Fast Figures. 10 questions, one minute-ish. All answers are numbers. The game starts now. All right, Tyler, neither one of us has been subjected to this for the last couple weeks since we've had amazing guests. It's on you, let's get 60 seconds on the clock. This episode, if we are successful, will be dropped on leap day. How many days are there in a leap year? 366. Within 50,000, for personal tax filings in 2023, mortgage interest deduction is limited to what amount of indebtedness? So the loan amount. 250,000. Yeah. On leap day in 1972, Hank Aaron became the highest paid professional baseball player. Within 10% of the actual amount, how much was his annual salary? I'm going to go with something like ridiculous compared to today, like 60,000. Medical expenses that exceed adjusted gross income can be deducted at this percent in 2023. 8%. You strike me as a big fan of show tunes. 
in the Pirates of Penzance, how many birthdays was Frederick indentured to be a pirate? Oh, it's still his 21st birthday. After how many months will the IRS revoke your EFIN if it has not been used? It's two or three years. I'm going to go 36 months. Within 500 years, in what year was the concept of leap year introduced in ancient Egypt? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 2000 BC. Uh, within 5%, what percent of e-filed returns are self-prepared? 50%. Uh, within 5,000, how many enrolled agents are there as of September 23? Let's just go with 50. You get 50,000. Uh, a motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, was born on Leap Day. How many inches tall is he? <laughs> He's a tall man. Let's go 80 inches. Bonus question. What do you call people born on Leap Day? Poor, poor thing. I mean, come on. They only get a birthday once every four years. I'm going to call them neglected. Ooh. All right. Let's go back and review. So obviously, right. I looked at this. We're going to come out on Leap Day. So happy Leap Day, everyone. Hope you enjoy this extra amount of time. So, first question was, how many days in a leap year? 366. Loved you a softball to start out with, right? Thank you, I appreciate it. So I just knew the shutout wasn't on the table anymore. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Right, there will only be one loser in this episode. <laughs> then within $50,000, personal filings for 2023, what is the maximum amount of mortgage indebtedness you can have? I said 250, but... That's the home exception when you sell a house. So that was way off. Mm -hmm. what, Sorry, you what was the answer? The answer is 750000 It's the top. So does this seem really high to you? It does, actually. Like, that's just a massive amount, which really then shows me, like, this is a big deal for people with massive properties yeah. or people mm -hmm. that are really going after real estate as an investment, which... I mean, this is further fuel as to why it's so hard for people to get into the market and buy homes for the first time, because all of our tax laws are so favorable to just put all your money in real estate and gobble it up. Oh, yeah. And I did like average home sales price in the U.S. right now is about 420000 This is almost double that. And I feel like this would be an opportunity to claw back some of that tax income if people have a million dollar or like even $800,000, $900,000 loans out there on houses. Could afford a little more tax, in my opinion, but let's not get into that discussion. Get, yeah. We'll get more, more listeners even mad. Uh, next one, Leap Day. In 1972, Hank Aaron became the highest paid baseball player. Your answer was a $60,000 salary. It was $200,000. That was incorrect. I mean, Which, still, I just knew, like, yeah. these days they're getting, what, $52 million a year. I knew it was going to be something, like, I know $200,000 was a lot back then, but it's not $52 million. Right, and I know, like, Unless something has changed recently, baseball salaries are guaranteed, regardless of what happens. I mean, just get that. What is who is it? Is it Bobby Bonilla that gets like a two million dollar paycheck from the Mets every year until like Bobby uh, Bonilla Day? Yeah, yeah, until like twenty forty or something ridiculous. Like that was amazing. Yeah, paying contract. him not to play. Yeah, awesome. How old is he now? He's got to be like fifty five. All right, ridiculous. He's up there. Yeah, all good. All right, medical expenses. That exceed adjusted gross income can be deducted in 2023 at what percent? I said eight. You said eight. Yeah, 7.5. I'm going to give you that one. Great. So if you think the average household income, I believe last year was about $75,000, $80,000. So that's about $5,600 that you could take 
at that amount of level, right? If you go above that, which you get, if, if you have a medical thing that's happening, right? Just a good thing to keep in front of, especially if you're self-filing taxes or make sure your tax preparer is good and old, man. I knew that one too. I don't know why I didn't, why I said eight, but thank you for the generous roundup. Yeah. It's fast no, figures, man. It gets you. Oh, it totally gets you. Next one. So show tunes, Pirates of Penzance. How many birthdays did Frederick be indentured to be a pirate? You said? His 21st birthday. His 21st birthday. Why am I bringing this up today, Tyler? Is this our 21st episode? No, this is 18th. Let me jump in. He was born on leap day. So it was oh, his yeah. 21st birthday that he would lose his indenturedness to the pirates. But he had only had four because he was Fair. it wasn't his 21st year, his 21st birthday. So that's how they got to keep him as their pirate worker, whatever you want to call it. Very PC term there. Way to go, Jeremy. Yeah, I love it. How many months will the, the IRS revoke your EFIN if it has not been used? You said 36? Three years? Mm, 24. I, I don't know ah. if you remember me ranting to you about this probably a month or two ago because I hadn't used mine in two years and I had to go and paper file a return because they took away my EFIN. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. 24 months. Use it or lose it. It's good to know. You learned by getting burned. Yeah, that's right. Within 500 years, when was the concept of leap year originated in ancient Egypt? Yeah, would you say 2000 BC? Yeah, something like that. It is BC, 240 BC. Is when this so I'm taking partial credit because I got those letters yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you a little one on that one. Within 5%, what percent of e-file tax returns are self-prepared? You said 50? Mm, super close, though. 40? Really? 43% for 2022 okay. filings were out there. And I'm going to jump into the Do you think that's going to change left. now with the IRS allowing people to do their own e-file, the pilot program that's open in, you know, what is it, 15 states this year? I, I think this number is going to go up for a couple of reasons. That is one of them. Yeah. I also think this is one of the bigger opportunities for AI to get included into the tax profession, right? With not a lot of risk of error, right? Like, Tax laws are very Boolean. Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Right. Yeah. And there's a little bit of fringe in there. I feel like if you could get an AI person that could come or AI bot or whatever you want to call it, come in and have all of that good knowledge built in there, that this one gets pretty easy that they answer the questions and you could have the fake tax guy in front of your face asking them for you and fill it out yourself. Or would that not count as self-filing if you have an AI tool? I think it's still self-filing because you got to so do too. who's the human behind it signing off on it. Until the Terminators take us over. Yes, let's go on that. But I will um, let Arnold do my tax returns. I'm just going to be honest. Not deductible. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we should make that software. How exciting would that be every uh, time you try and do something you got that? Yeah. No, not deductible. Yeah, all right. Well, let's not try to do that again. Cool. All right, rolling into the next one. Within 5,000, as of September 23. How many enrolled agents are there? 50. What? You went with 50. Mm. But yeah, you're really close, though. So I'm pretty impressed. So there's 65,000. Okay. So can you give me, for those of us who may not know, we're not heavily tax-based, what that EA credential is? Yeah. Well, first, let's talk about what the CPA is, because everyone treats okay. that as a gold yeah. standard, right? You'll be in these yeah. Facebook communities or whatever, where someone's like, I need to get my taxes done. I need a CPA. I know plenty of CPAs who have never touched a tax return in their life because the AICPA is the organization that oversees all CPAs. 
And that credentialing was just adheres to counting standards. The only thing you need a CPA to do that no one else can is audit, attestation. That's it. Anyone else can do taxes. Now, the IRS has come out a while ago and created their own designation, which shows you've gone through all of their training on laws. And I'm going to defer to smarter people who have actually completed the program, so I don't misspeak. But it's not necessarily on strategy. It's a lot more on the laws behind all the rules. And that is an IRS credential, the EA. So the enrolled agent is someone that has gone through the IRS program and said, hey, I understand these basics. And so odds are most people that are looking for a tax filer, if you're hunting for a CPA versus an EA, you are for sure going to find someone that can file your taxes in an EA. You might not in a CPA. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction, right? Like these are tax professionals, very dedicated to that craft, both credentials. You need to have some level of continuing education, all of that stuff. But what I was really interested in doing some research on this, did you know there is a IRS website and we'll put this in the show notes where there is a CSV file you can download that has all 65,000 names on it of EAs. I was blown away. Like, are you kidding me? This is out there. You, you just told me there's a 65,000 line data set I can go play with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, the one I knew right off hand was Kirsten, right? Just typed in her name and uh, put a filter on it. Came up right away, address, all of that stuff that's there. To me, if you are at this point and looking to file your taxes yet, and your taxes are not super simple, that you can do the Turbo Tax Vote so it's cheaper, I would look to this list, go to somebody and look at your state and look at the cities that are there and find an EA that's near you because that is what I would do is like find somebody local or like trust it, make sure that relationship is there. But how easy is that to find someone? I never would have thought that, but I went to the site and I'm like, you're telling me I can download this and I can find all of these. So I see you doing this right now. Yeah, I've Go already ahead. downloaded it. No, because it's given their address, their home address, their business address, zip code, phone number. Yeah. I mean, this is totally IRS. You get it in an Excel spreadsheet. It says on the website, it was updated February 14th. The file name is still September, 2023. Um, so- <laughs> Right. And this also, like, if you hated what your EA did to you, you know where to go, like their, like their business, right? You just go find it. Yeah, um, exactly. It, interesting, too. How many of those, without you filtering, are based in the U.S.? Oh. Out of the 65,000. Am I looking for a number or a percent? Uh, go number. I'm going to stick on the 50 train, Jeremy. 50%. No, 60,000 of the 65 are U.S.-based. They're not on okay. the same Which is good. And that, I didn't honestly know you could get this credential in another country, but you obviously can, right? If you're following all the rules. So. Oh, and you can get any of these credentials. Even CPA. I mean, there's a lot of them that they'll do all their training overseas and then fly into Washington State and take their exam. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. Interesting thing to go out there and play with. Now Tyler's got something to do this morning after we <laughs> sign off for the show. <laughs> I am totally excited about it. All right. Last one. Motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, who we all know and love, right? What was his original shtick? Was it investing? Real estate investing? What was personal? Well, I mean, he got his fortune from the the Baskin Robbins family. And then he was a motivational speaker because he defied the family name. That's right. If you can't stick with ice cream, what can we stick with here? Come on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just went to how tall am I six feet? And then I just rounded up to the nearest whole number. That was 10 of inches. I have no idea, man. 
as usual, I think you're giving yourself a little extra credit on how tall you <laughs> how big something is. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, you went with 80 inches, 79. Yeah. We'll give you that one too, right? He's a tall dude, he's 6'7". And then I also put the outfit as a two-parter, but what do you think his net worth is right now, Tony? This is either going to be something insanely large or insanely small because like you just found an article on him on tax evasion. Or I, has some, I'm going to go with 29 million because you're really heavy on the 29th today. Ooh, no, 29. 500 million, no. Okay. So I don't know how much of that is ice cream fame and how much of that is self. I would think most of it is created by itself, right? And all of us to do is, that's pretty cool. Bonus question, what do you call people born on leap days? I said unfortunate, no. the neglected. Yes. They are called leapers or leaplings. And leaplings definitely tickles my fancy way more than the first option. So that sounds like a Stephen King book. It was leapling and there's a murder in Salem. A uh, leapling, Tony Robbins, happy birthday to you. I'm sure you're one of our dedicated listeners. Jeremy, with that sound, it is now time for the winner of the week. And I think you've got our winner all teed up. Might let us know who, who really won in the week, last week of February. Yeah, I'm thinking the winner this week, looking forward just a little bit, are the state, the inhabitants of the state of Hawaii and Arizona, which are the only two states in the union that do not sell, follow daylight savings time. Because in a week or so from this recording, when we put it out there, it's daylight savings time, springing forward, losing that hour. Before the following fortnightly episode, here's my concern with this, right? I have the first client that we've ever had in a payroll system where they have people in an overnight shift, and I don't like their payroll system as it is. It's clunky, and it screws up holidays and all of this. I'm just loathing that I know this hour that's going to magically appear or disappear or something that evening in people's time records and how we're going to have to fix that and figure it out. Ugh, crap. And for the loser of the week, Jeremy. Oh, loser of the week. Sick children in Vegas. Like being in the nonprofit space, I get a lot of information on this, but just this horrible story about not just a bad bookkeeper at a nonprofit there that's dedicated to providing money to sick children, but both the director of it and the bookkeeper were in cahoots together robbing this nonprofit of hundreds of thousands of dollars and doing it through a payroll system where they were just giving themselves extra vacation days in it and paying them out. And just can't imagine the seventh circle of hell that these people should be in. This blows my mind. The amount of lack of oversight that can happen. And if this is a nonprofit, you'd like to think there's a board. There's someone looking at these financials that's at least saying, hey, this makes sense. But you're right. They're just adding vacation hours. I mean, 300,000, yes, maybe that's a little harder to catch, but still, it just kills me that this, this is so frequent, Jeremy, and it's always the person with the access to the money. It's always our industry. And so it just it's back to the point that good systems got to be in place because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Essentially, someone is going to have some idea of skim a little, and it's going to go to skim mm-hmm. a little more to skim a lot. And Skim a Lot right. was a really odd production of an off-Broadway show I saw once. But I digress. Ooh, bad bookkeeping Broadway show. Mm. Yeah. This could Skim a Lot. Ooh. ooh, the unaccountable touring. Yeah. Oh, all right. We got some. All right. Get back to the story, Jeremy. I agree with you. It's just terrible. And it was actually discovered. And we talk about the CPA credential. CPA credential. Excuse me. 
by an auditor because this organization had some COVID refunds. So they had to get an audit from an attestation from a firm, right? Found this, called it out, caught everything. Just crazy. Just awful. Well, especially I'm looking at the article now that you linked in here and the company provides them maximum of 200 hours of vacation pay and they cashed out more than 4,400 hours for one of them and yeah. 5,500 hours for the other. That is absurd. Well, Jeremy, that's all the time we have for this week. Everyone, if you want to leave us a review of our podcast, we'll happily read it on the air. If you got questions, ideas, segments, or fact-checking us, feel free to reach out to us at unaccountable.co. Jeremy, we'll be back in two weeks. And until then, sir, hopefully you don't get any hate mail from your 1099 recipients. Till next time. <laughs>